Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and tax advice or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management, and this is your weekly market insights. Let's review last week. Stocks and summer with gloomy news. Uh, I posted this on the blog, September 25th, 2023, rising bond yields and fears of a government shutdown hammered stocks last week with technology shares bearing the brunt of the retreat. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 1.89%, while the S&P 500 dropped 2.93%. The NASDAQ Composite Index tumbled 3.62% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, fell 1.77%. So what does that mean for the Dow? The Dow closed at 33,963. That, that uh, is up 2.46 on the year. NASDAQ closed at 13,211. That's up 26.23% for the year. Now, just to note, uh, that's a pullback of nearly 10% on the on the year, uh, uh, down from like around 37, 38% up. So uh, make note of that. MSCI EFA index 2070, that's up 6.53% for the year. S&P 500 closed at 4,320. That's up 12.52% for the year. So kind of cresting around the 16, 17, 18% and then pulling back to 12. Uh, Make note of that. 10-year Treasury note closed at 4.44%, and that's up uh, quite a bit on the year. Uh, And year-to-date, relative 0.56% for a return on the year uh, in the 10-year note. So stocks sell off. Investor sentiment took a decidedly negative turn last week when investors were caught off guard by the Fed signaling another potential rate hike this year upending hopes that the Fed might finish its current rate hiking cycle. Okay, stocks declined sharply following the FOMC announcement and continued to fall uh, the following day as bond yields spiked. The 10-year Treasury hit 4.48% on Thursday, touching its highest point in more than 15 years. Stocks also reacted to news that the House of Representatives went into recess on Thursday, increasing the prospect of a government shutdown. The sell-off cooled on Friday, adding only incrementally to the week's accumulated losses. The Fed signals a rate hike. As expected, the Fed held interest rates steady but surprised many investors by signaling another rate hike before year-end and suggesting that rates may need to remain high through 2024. In his post-announcement press conference, Fed Chair Powell remarked that inflation battles would continue and upcoming economic data would inform the FOMC's future rate hike decision. So it sounds like they'll be data dependent. In their economic projections, 12 of 19 Fed officials expect to raise rates once more this year. The FOMC meets again on October 31st through November 1st and in December. The Fed also lowered their unemployment projection from their June estimate and revised their projection for annual core inflation to 3.7% in the fourth quarter, down from June's 3.9% forecast. So economic data we're checking out, consumer confidence, new home sales Tuesday, durable goods orders Wednesday, 
jobless claims and GDP Thursday. That'll be a big day. Friday, personal income and outlays. So notable companies reporting uh, earnings. We got Costco on Tuesday, Micron on Wednesday, and on Thursday, we have Nike. Tax tip for the week. Think about credits and deductions now to prepare for your filing. Okay, so that, that would be for filing 2023 taxes. Here are a few facts about credits and deductions that can help you with your year-round tax prep. Taxable income remains after someone subtracts any eligible deductions from their adjusted gross income, including the standard deduction. Some taxpayers may itemize their deductions to manage their adjusted gross income. Generally, if a taxpayer's itemized deductions are larger than their standard deduction, they should consider itemizing. Depending on the situation, some taxpayers may even be required to itemize. Taxpayers can subtract tax credits from the total amount of tax that they owe. To claim a credit, taxpayers should keep records showing their eligibility. Some major tax credits include the child tax credit, the child independent care credit, the American Opportunity Credit or Lifetime Learning Credit, and the Earned Income Tax Credit. And again, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. On to the next segment. AI's role in shaping our tomorrow. It's an article I posted on our blog. Recently, the buzzword artificial intelligence, also known as AI, is on everyone's minds, not just in the tech world, but across multiple industries, including financial services. Given the growing interest and concern surrounding AI, it would be beneficial to provide some insights into the topic and its impact on the financial services industry. AI traces back to ancient philosophers and mathematicians, but it's also uh, modern interpretation emerged in the mid-20th century. Today, AI is a branch of computer science that focuses on giving machines or computer-controlled robots the ability to execute intelligent tasks. While some applications are getting headlines today, the concept and foundational technology have a rich development history. A brief chronology of AI highlights the progression from the 1950s chess-playing computer programmers to adopting machine learning for tasks such as filtering spam and enhancing search engine capabilities in the 2000s. By the 2010s, programmers had integrated AI into voice assistants, self-driving cars, and healthcare diagnostics. More recently, AI applications have expanded to almost every industry from weather uh, from weather modeling to improving remote working and learning. However, what does AI's proliferation mean for our future, specifically for your interactions with me as your financial professional? One thing is clear, AI's capacity to quickly analyze large data sets far exceeds our human capabilities. It promises to revolutionize several industries, but the notion that AI-infused machines may surpass human abilities, thus taking over the world, remains largely a matter of science fiction. AI's adoption in financial services has helped firms automate certain back office functions, enhancing efficiency and providing more time for financial professionals to spend with clients like you. 
your key financial decisions are seldom straightforward and often don't have a simple right or wrong answer. They require a nuanced approach informed by your unique circumstances, including risk tolerance, time horizon, goals, and of course, emotional factors. Financial professionals bridge the gap between cold data and human emotions. We know how to balance financial data with common sense and empathy, while AI can aid in data-driven technical aspects of financial services, it lacks the human touch, which remains paramount. Please remember that the most effective guidance requires trust, effective communication, realistic expectations, and a comprehensive understanding of each client's financial situation. In our professional relationship, we prioritize your needs over technological advances. As we navigate the AI wave, we may see it as the next technology that will drastically change our lives, similar to personal computers, the internet, and cell phones. It certainly has the potential to be one of the 21st century's most transformative technologies. However, its emergence only highlights the importance of the human element in decision-making processes and the unique personalized approach that a financial professional like me can provide. If you have questions about AI and its implications on your financial journey or other concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's my goal to stay ahead of these trends and provide you with the most up-to-date information about industry trends. Thank you for tuning in to Northbound Wealth Management's Weekly Market Insights. Stay tuned for the next segment. In this segment, I'm going to talk about the markets, provide some market thoughts. Uh, today happens to be a little bit of a downturn, a uh, continuation of a, a pattern that we've seen coming for a little while now. I've talked about on previous podcasts. So um, what's interesting, I got uh, I jump on teams talking to my brother uh, who's out in Oregon, works for the federal government. He's awesome. So shout out to my brother, Brad. Uh, but uh, he was asking me, um, I know the markets are down today, looking at uh, a buy-in opportunity as uh, as he's been kind of accumulating cash as the market's gone higher. So we're looking for an opportunity of entry. Um, what's interesting is uh, he's probably going to get that. Uh, and he was just wondering about where and how. And so uh, here's my message back to him was uh, 4,200 is support right now. Uh, if that breaks, then we should drop or gap down to 4,000. And if that breaks, uh, we'll get a quick retest of 3,500, uh, which would be the lows of October 2022. The drop would have to do with the market pricing in a recession for 2024 sometime, um, mainly due to the Fed keeping interest rates higher for longer and raising more than the market expected or what expectations are right now. So really interesting uh, dynamics going on in the market. The 10-year bond hit 16-year uh, highs. Um, recent market messages have been focusing on the upturn in energy prices, which threatened to boost inflation pressures and put upward pressure on bond yields. So um, those same messages have shown the 10-year treasury yield nearing an upside breakout. And that breakout took place this week. Uh, a day after the Fed left interest rates unchanged, but warned that interest rates would stay higher for longer. Uh, so I think that was kind of contrary to what the market was expecting. Um, and so what we're looking at is uh, higher treasury yields, uh, higher bond yields, higher energy and oil prices, and uh, and right on cue, the stocks sold off. 
Uh, and that that's a continuation of last week to this week. So um, anyway, there you go. The S&P 500 finished down today about oh, 1%, maybe a little more. So trading in that 4,200 range area. We're going to be watching and tracking the technicals pretty closely. There might be a retest, most likely a retest of, of uh, you know, 40 week moving average, uh, which would be the 200 day potentially here soon. So uh, we'll keep you posted on it and um, I'll provide another update next week. Uh, I'm going to try to get back on getting these out every, every single week in a timely fashion. So stay tuned. All right. Top 10 questions. High net worth individuals ask about social security. I posted this to our uh, blog on our website, September 12th, 2023. Social security, the program you may have spent a lifetime paying into is designed to offer stability, supplemental income, and other valuable benefits that can play a role in your overall financial strategy after you retire. We've pulled together answers to 10 questions our clients ask most frequently regarding social security. If you're nearing retirement, this Q&A is designed to help you better understand what you're what to expect from social security. Number 1, how are social security benefits calculated? Social security benefits are typically computed using the average indexed monthly earnings. Um, the this this average summarizes up to 35 years of a worker's indexed earnings. Social security applies a formula to this average to compute the primary insurance amount or the PIA. The PIA is the basis for the benefits that you are paid to, uh, uh, to an individual. The benefit, uh, the PIA is the basis for the benefits that are paid to an individual. In general, the higher your earnings up to $160,200, the maximum taxable amount in 2023, the higher your benefits. So um, number two, when can I start collecting social security benefits? So for example, I have a nice chart on this blog piece. Uh, Social security benefits are progressive annual benefits and earnings for worker retiring at age 65 in 2023. And so I have a column that represents past average earnings. And uh, by the way, this data comes from the social security administration and uh, their report on the Center of Budget and Policy Priorities. It's uh, The website is cbpp.org. But we've got a column on the low end past average earnings of, say, $29,766 or $29,766 a year. The Social Security benefit on that would be $14,824. That's on the low end. The medium is like 66,147 for past average earnings. And you're looking at about $24,463 a year. On the higher end, you've got uh, past average earnings of about 105,835 and change. And uh, that lands you at about $32,345 a year for a benefit. And then on the, the maximum is $160,200 uh, here in 2023, which would get you a benefit of about or approximately $39,946 a year. So um, you can see how that's progressive. So obviously, uh, if in the mid to later years of your career, you're making more money, obviously your benefits are going to be higher. All right. So number two, when can I start collecting social security benefits? 
You can claim Social Security benefits as early as age 62, but the longer you delay starting, the the larger your monthly payments may be. If you wait until full retirement age to collect Social Security retirement benefits, you can uh, receive 100% of your monthly retirement benefits. If you wait even longer beyond your full retirement age, the Social Security Administration increases your benefit up to 8% for every year you wait up to the age of 70. So monthly benefit amounts differ based on the age you decide to start receiving benefits. I have an example here of a chart. This example assumes a benefit of $1,000 at a full retirement age of age 67. The x-axis, you've got age you choose to start receiving benefits. The y-axis is monthly benefit amount and uh, the direction of the trend is up and to the right as time goes on. Uh, you can check that out by going to www.northboundwealth.com and click on the blog and you'll be able to read this article. Number three, can social security impact my retirement cash flow? While you may have various sources of income to tap into during retirement, social security should not be overlooked when preparing your distribution strategy. Here's a hypothetical example that outlines what it might take to replicate the income you could receive from social security. Assuming an annual benefit in 2023 of $30,000, you would need to invest approximately $1 million in an investment vehicle that yields 3% to generate that same amount of money. So remember, this is a hypothetical example used for illustrative purposes only. It's not representative of any specific investment or combination of uh any investments. It is used to illustrate the cash flow potential of social security benefits. Number four, does my spouse get my social security on top of theirs when I die? In the event of your death, your spouse may be eligible for survivor benefits based on your social security record, but they will not receive these benefits in addition to their own. They'll receive uh, whichever benefits is higher though. Uh, Here are some of the factors from Social Security Administration website to consider about survivor benefits. Number one, if your surviving spouse or a surviving divorced spouse remarries before they reach the age of 60, age 50, if they have a disability, they cannot receive benefits as a surviving spouse while they're married. Number two, If your surviving spouse or a surviving divorce spouse remarries after they reach the age 60, age 50, if they have a disability, they will continue to qualify for benefits on your social security record. And number three, if they're eligible for retirement benefits on their own record, if your surviving spouse or a surviving divorce spouse receives benefits on your record, they can switch to their own retirement benefit as early as age 62, assuming that they're eligible for retirement benefits and their retirement rate is higher than their rate as a surviving spouse or surviving divorce spouse. All right, number five. Uh, is number five is income from social security taxable. Social security benefits are taxable and the rate is based on your income, which includes number one, adjusted gross income, uh, which by the way, adjusted gross income includes earnings, investment income and retirement plan withdrawals. Uh, Number two, tax exempt interest, which such as interest on municipal bonds. Number three, half of your social security benefit. The Congress research service found that a percentage of all tax returns with taxable social security benefits reached 33% in 2017. 
That's uh, the most recent data available. In, in 1999, fewer than 8% of all taxpayers reported Social Security benefits, while the percentage is expected to increase to more than 50% by 2046. Here's a summary of how the taxes on Social Security income break down. Please note that the dollar amount thresholds have remained the same since taxes on benefits were introduced in 1984. They are not adjusted for inflation. So um, before I move on onto that section, I just want to say going from 17% to 50% of people uh, in the United States polling from Social Security uh, by 2046, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, something to pay attention to um, most definitely. All right. So filing status, uh, let's see, 50% of benefits subject to taxation or 85% of benefits subject to taxation. So for individual filers, combined income of 25000 to 34000 falls under the 50% benefit subject to taxation. Uh, joint filers, combined income of 32000 to 44000 uh, 50% of benefits are subject to taxation. You've got uh, under the 85% of benefits subject to taxation, individual file, filers uh, with combined income greater than 34000 it applies there. And then for joint filers, combined income greater than 44000 uh, applies to that uh, amount of income as well on, on, the, on the taxation. So if you are approaching the time to start collecting benefits, there are several potential ways to manage how your benefits are taxed. The simple way is to ensure that your income is less than the threshold at which taxes apply. So it's critical to have a detailed understanding of your retirement accounts. Okay. Number six, how does the cost of living adjustment work? It's a good question. Once someone starts receiving social security benefits, their payments may increase in accordance with the rate of inflation in the prior year. The cost of living adjustment or COLA was 5.9% in 2021, followed by an 8.7% increase in 2022. However, three times in the past 14 years, there was no COLA increase for recipients. Well, with inflation probably finishing the year around five, five and a, and a quarter, um, you know, they needed to increase things because a lot of people on fixed income are just getting crushed by this inflation. All right, number seven. Does Social Security include Medicare? Medicare and Social Security are both government programs. They aren't the same, but they are linked. Some people become eligible for both programs at around the same time. So Medicare provides federal health insurance for people age 65 and older and is made up of four parts. Part A, which is hospital insurance. Part B, which is medical insurance. Part D is prescription drug coverage. It also includes Part C, or Medicare Advantage, a bundled alternative to the original Medicare offered by private insurance companies that provides all the coverage of Parts A and B, plus some different rules, costs, and restrictions. Takeaway is if you're not receiving Social Security benefits at age 65, you can sign up for Part A and Part B during the seven-month period. That begins three months before the month you turn 65. This period includes the month you turn 65 and ends three months after the month you turn 65. That's, uh, that's that deadline. So here we go. Uh, moving on. Number eight, can I still work and collect Social Security benefits? Yes, you can collect Social Security benefits as early as age 62, even if you decide to keep working. 
Just be aware that your age and earnings may impact the amount of the benefits you receive during those working years. Working won't permanently reduce your Social Security benefits if you start taking them early. Once you reach full retirement age, your monthly benefit will increase, taking into account prior benefits detained due to earnings. Let's see, number nine, when should I start taking benefits? Deciding when to begin taking Social Security is a critical decision and one of the most common questions. It may seem straightforward, but a more it's more complex than it looks. Since everyone's circumstances are unique, there are a few considerations that you may want to take into account. Number one, will you continue working? You may see some of your payments withheld if you're still working while collecting early benefits. Number two, are you married? Does your spouse anticipate benefits? Number three, how is your health? Your health status could affect your decision on when you start taking benefits. And uh, finally, here we go. We're moving on to the next one. The last one is number 10. Will Social Security go bankrupt? It's a question I get all the time. Social Security has often been called the third rail of politics because of the negatives associated with tackling the issue. However, relatively modest changes could place Social Security on sounder financial footing. While Social Security does face some challenges, there are several potential approaches that are being considered in Washington, D.C. to reinforce the program. It's possible that one of the approaches might be proposed in the years ahead. Um, It's estimated that without Social Security, 21.7 million more people would live below the poverty line. At some point, lawmakers are expected to address the situation. I sure hope so. Um, So as financial professionals, understanding your sources of retirement income is an integral part of our services. If you have any questions about Social Security, please do not hesitate to contact us We're here to help, and we may have resources that can help you better understand your retirement benefits. All right, moving on to the next segment. Thank you for listening to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. This one's going to be a brief one, and um, have a great week and weekend. If you have any questions, please reach out to Northbound Wealth Management, 317-399-1107, 317-399-1107. And this is Brent Foster signing off.